Hi there. This episode is only possible because of your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and consider kicking us a couple of bucks a month if you like our shows. Here is a small programming note. Uh, the next episode before we get to the Wastelands is going to be about uh, the Stephen King book Rose Matter, uh, which is connected to the Dark Tower series. Um, I really like doing these off-season kind of things. Uh, go and uh, check that out. If you're going to buy it, consider using the link at duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Uh, we get a small cut of uh, whatever you buy there. Um, also, there's a content warning on that. Uh, it is a book that is about uh, domestic violence. So that is going to be something that will uh, mess up your day. Uh, consider, you know, either skipping that book or skipping that episode. I just want you to know before you go diving into it because it's rough. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. My name is Cole Ross, and I am your host, and today I'm joined by Jeremy Greer. Hello. And by Sean Wagner. Hey, Sean. Hello. Yeah. Um, and we're here to talk about the very end of The Drawing of the Three. This is the pusher part two, a very exciting, very action-packed chapter. Um, I don't know how long this episode is going to be because uh, this... <laughs> it's a pretty short. It's a pretty short couple of chapters. <laughs> it, it's it seriously is, and it moves by. Um, and the page count um, is 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 up there, but it is mostly action. And it's mostly uh, kind of all of the threads coming together. Uh, Sean, um, introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from. All right. Well, um, if uh, you may know me from uh, Souls, I guess as it as it were, uh, as far as a uh, interaction with the internet and uh um you know probably at the lore hunter on twitter is probably where you know me from i just uh do a lot of bloodborne lore stuff and uh you know i i would do dark souls 3 lore but uh there is none so <laughs> yeah uh we're, we're referring to the dark souls series of games if anybody listens to this and 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 not something else um yeah uh sean is another uh, another lorester here um like us um tell me about your history with the series sean all right, so uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty new as far as uh, I I came to the series just a few years ago, and I actually um it was actually on a tip of I think it was an off season for Bonfire Side Chat, and uh, I asked what are some other Souls, you know, sort of like things that tap into similar themes as Dark Souls, and actually you recommended the Dark Tower, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check out the Dark Tower, and I read the Gunslinger a few years ago and i i liked it and i but i i got to the end and uh i think you guys mentioned in the episode but the end gets real weird <laughs> and it kind of threw me in a way where i i enjoyed the book but with that whole like universe and blade of grass thing i didn't have the <laughs> impetus to actually start the next book yeah. and it wasn't until this last fall where i uh, i decided to pick up the drawing of the three because i heard like the movie was actually in production i was like you know i should return to that see what that's all about and I hit the drawing of the three, and uh, I got really obsessed with it for a few weeks. I actually, 
I had the audiobooks and the books. And when I was at work, I'd listen to the audiobook and then I'd find my place in the physical book and come home and read the books. <laughs> so uh, I, I did that and I finished the entire series in less than two weeks. And oh, then yeah. I just Good picked God. up the comics and oh, just my God. kept going from there. <laughs> you you so, double fisted it. God. Yeah. It took me so, uh, j- just doing an audio, uh, like an audio only listen on the, on the books after the show got funded. It took me like a month. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I got really worried about it to the point where like I I was reading I was reading I think it was the Wastelands and um I had to take out the trash so I went from reading and I found just to take out the trash which is like a two minute walk right right maybe and I, I decided to throw <laughs> throw on the audiobook while I was walking to take out the trash so yeah <laughs> so I'd I was be, really I was really invested I'd be lying if I said I didn't do that with podcasts but there's no uh, <laughs> the, the, there's no cross referencing and finding stuff involved in that. <laughs> so so yeah <laughs> uh do you have uh do you have a favorite book in the series mm, it's 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 kind of interesting coming back around um because i would i would have said after my first uh read through that the wastelands was my probably my favorite and uh that's due to i think my favorite antagonist in the series and uh but coming through here the drawing of the three is actually uh, it might be my favorite now just because you know I think it's the funniest of all the books. And it, this this section in particular, coming back through, I think it, it's just like, I don't know, there, there's so much going on, but it's so entertaining at the same time where I think it gets more ridiculous, but also more serious later in the series. Yeah. And I think I kind so I think Between the Wastelands and the Drawing of the Three are probably my favorites. Yeah. That's a sentiment I can agree I've read with. three of the... I've read the first three books since the show has started, um, since this podcast has started. And because as soon as I finished the drawing of the three, I immediately went into the wastelands. I could not help myself. And, uh, so far out of my latest reread, the wastelands is by far my favorite, like for as much fun as I think this book is, the wastelands is, is so, so good. Yeah. 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 I'm very excited for that season. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to end that and we're going to, um, take a, uh, to, to take a little break and talk about some related work. So we're going to simulate the, uh, the cliffhanger on that one. Spoiler, that one ends on a, on a very fa- infamous cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I had the next book available when I read through that because, man, I, I cannot imagine what people went through just reading it as it was coming out. <laughs> yep. Waiting six years. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, I can tell you, it was super, super miserable. <laughs> that book four was the first book that I have ever pre ordered and that I ever, like, <laughs> what time are you opening? I will be there. Like I worked at the mall that the store opened. Like I was on pins and needles to get that book because I'd been waiting for so long. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're dropping the gun on that just a little bit. I I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that, that we're excited about that, uh, because the wasteland is coming up, but we have to finish this book itself. So last time, um, we found the third door and Roland went into the mind of Jack Mort, a serial killer active in New York in the 1970s. Um, he actually jumps in, into his mind right at the moment when Mort is about to push Jake himself. Um, Jake being the young boy companion from the first book who Roland let die, let's die. Um, <laughs> and so Roland digs around in his memories and finds out that uh, not only was Mort responsible years and years ago for the injury that birthed Detta Walker, Odetta Holmes's kind of um, evil uh, split personality, but also is responsible for Odetta um, losing her legs as well. And while all this is happening back on the beach, Detta has captured Eddie and has him tied and bound 
um, attempting to lure Roland out as the lobstrosities emerge from the water. So the clock is ticking, and now we're going to take a look and see what's happening while she is setting that up. So yeah, um, let's jump right in with the chapter, Roland Takes His Medicine, because <laughs> when your physical body is dying of fever uh, and you have your opportunity to go to New York, uh, what is the first place you're going to go? Uh, to, to, to guarantee, to ensure. Gun shop. Yep, gun shop. <laughs> gonna, gonna go to the gun shop. Bullets His priorities are, little, are literally weapons over health, which, like, I mean, and, like, binding over binding of Isaac, like, that's probably a good plan, but right. in real life, maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the way this is set up, because we got a little bit of this. Roland got a sense of uh, of Jack Mort, uh, his reputation among his co-workers. You know, everybody's kind of afraid of him. He has this kind of uh, uh, you know, uh, just unpleasant countenance, but, um, being inside Mort's mind is like being inside of a worm pit and with Mort, uh, kind of passed out, you know, from the shock of having his mind invaded, Roland can only kind of tolerate this by thinking of him as a combination Atlas and encyclopedia, or as King <laughs> calls it the Mortcipedia, Mortcipedia, <laughs> Mortcipedia, <laughs> which isn't even strictly a good portmanteau. Like it's just such a weird combination of words. Yeah. Well, oh. King King loves it because he uses it in practically every other paragraph. So <laughs> every other sentence. Where is Jacklopedia at? Like that makes way more sense to me. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've never understood the Mortzipedia at all. Like it never, even as a young kid, I was like, this this seems stupid, Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, you could just say I consulted his memories or his knowledge or something. It's a little, it's 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 a little cute. But like, what do you guys think of that idea? Of, of him kind of rooting around in his mind, trying to figure out a way to uh, uh, navigate 20th century New York. Well, it's it's, cer it's certainly interesting. It, it's interesting from the fact that I did have to pause for a second and wonder if that's how it's worked previously. Like, uh, he really, I was like, wait, so he, he passes out kind of conveniently. And then so for most of these chapters, Roland just kind of wears him and he's, <laughs> he's really just there as like an access tool, which is, I think it's the main source of comedy in these chapters. So I think it's pretty entertaining from that sense, but <laughs> it really is it's, it, good. It's really entertaining. Um, and also it's terrifying. Like if you put yourself <laughs> in the position of Jack Mort, where this, this like alien being, which even if it was like, even though, you know, Roland is a human man, like it's still like he's an alien being from another world <laughs> who thinks totally differently than you is taking over your mind to the point that you're screaming passing out and then you're just like you're i'm sure he can still feel it like his like roland's mental fingertips going over the catalog like <laughs> looking for how to say the word taxi right like it's just so terrifying to me but yes. it's a really cool idea like the concept of being able someone using like all of the stored knowledge in their head and is just really neat and and in previous encounters well i guess when when roland was inside dead mind or dead mind um it was really just a mad dash to the door but with with eddie it was more of a dialogue Right. Like, hey, they were talking back and forth. Um, and so that provided a little bit of a, a little bit of information. What we have here is a stranger in a strange land who is consulting somebody else's mind like a, uh, you know, like a computer. And that actually comes up a little bit later on in one of the uh, like funniest, but also simultaneously kind of scariest sections. Yeah. <laughs> or at least uh, passages, rather. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, that's uh, that, that that's where we're about where we're at. But there's also, you know, this idea, you know, it's death, but not for you. These are two killers who are sharing the same body, right? There's a wonderful line. When it came to planning, there were no creatures in the universe more different than Roland and Jack Mort. I really enjoy that because I, I love the idea of Roland having like, I think he calls it a rough plan. <laughs> and, you know, because planning rough is often pl- better than um, planning something. I don't remember what they call Jack Moore's plan, but you know, that, that planning rough and like we, he's just going to improvise. And yeah. that, that just seems so Roland. Like it's just something that Roland would do of like, OK, I'm going to walk from here to there and whatever happens, I can probably shoot it on the way there. But I don't really need to worry about it very much. <laughs> Whereas Jack Mort is like, I'm going to walk four steps here. And I'm going to lead with my left foot and then I'm going to go walk two steps to the left. So I can like, he's that kind of guy, that real meticulous planner. So this is like two of my favorite chapters in in drawing of the three, because I know people are kind of exhausted with the um, stranger in a strange land stuff of Roland mispronouncing stuff. That's like actually like Keflex and things like that. But I really, really enjoy it. Like I eat this stuff up. So (laughs) this is all gold to me. Yes. A a, a tax C. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Attack. Dash C. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 fine, you know, in a in a small dose. It's contained here. It comes up a little bit later in the series, but like this is the hardest that they lean on it, I think. Yeah, and and this is really the first time that Roland is loose in in in, you know, a strange place just by himself because mm-hmm. he's only with he's only with uh, Odetta briefly and then he's really talking with Eddie so they can sort of have the communication but this is this is my favorite of example of it because essentially Roland's on his own in this he's just he's just going about our world just with like sort of a you know a little tourist guide so yeah. I, I think that's uh, it lands the best for me here because <laughs> he's just so alone and yeah. just trying to understand what's going on yeah and he's disgusted by the decadence of this world right on the plane he noticed how how much people were wasting paper you know whole magazines you know full of some of the most valuable substance that uh he he knows from his world right and when he gets to this you know to to, to this gun shop there are a couple things like he sees some other gunslingers he sees two cops outside and notices that they are you know fat and lax and when he goes inside and says like hey i need some bullets um and he identifies them in this in this book you know by sight because that's just how he rolls you know he is shocked to find out that he can just have 150 of them you know, yep. for for some of this paper, 150 rounds. Ye gods, what mad storehouse <laughs> of riches was this? <laughs> <laughs> if I ever get to be a supervillain, I'm totally naming my um, little henchman guys fat and lax. Because <laughs> it just sounds like, you know, this just sounds fat. Gra- grab the hero, lax. Gra- grab are, his girlfriend. Are, like, are it just the, sounds so good. Are these going to be your children, or are you going to are you going to uh, steal the identity and erase the identity of these two of these two people? <laughs> Um, well, I guess, I mean, you know, we could have fat number one and fat number two or, mm. you know, fat child and fat henchman. Like, I, I guess both is what I'm saying. I'll definitely <laughs> okay. do both. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. I wanted to, I know, I know we got a, a little bit past it. Um, but what do you guys think about like this characterization of Jack Mort as this like kind of high powered, um, like CEO rich guy? Like this just seems so weird to me when it comes up, like within the scene with the elevator with his like coworker as Roland has taken over his body. And like there's this whole conversation about a high power deal and everything like I don't it's it's one of these examples of Stephen King doing like a whole, whole lot of like history work um, as when, you know, from the perspective of characters. And they think about their whole backstory before they say any words in the actual book. Yeah. And it's just it's just like a it's a weird turn for a 
Jack Mort character that was dropping bricks on black women in the you know mm. the early fifties and sixties. Yeah, Sean, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of worked for me just in the fact that uh, I guess when I was younger, I watched a lot of Criminal Minds. So, uh, <laughs> um, so this is it's actually kind of surprising, um, and Jen just sort of that 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 sparked like a little bit of a an interest in just like why so many of these characters are pretty pretty like in pretty good positions and it's actually not completely out of line for for someone who's a, a serial killer to be kind of you know pretty good with people because as a sociopath they spend extra time learning how to fit in so i mean i guess it's just from that background that i kind of bought it and i kind of got that like as someone who likes to plan so much he needs in order to do what he really likes to do he has to have this contingency where he sort of lives in style and presents the image of someone who's well-adjusted. That way he won't get caught. Yeah, a little bit of a Patrick Bateman kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it says mm-hmm. that he's a CPA. I don't do, – do, do CPAs in New York live these lavish lifestyles and, <laughs> and, and cut I mean, like deals? he has a $6,500 watch. Like the only like, – yeah. I know two CPAs and one lives in New Zealand, so I don't, can't really pull that. But right. like – I, I, I don't think so, right? Maybe like in the early '80s or wherever this was based. Like maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. F- so I think that I'm okay with it. the The part that's more interesting to me is that his coworkers are afraid of him, uh, afraid mm-hmm. of him, and Roland can sense this, but he also knows that they don't know why. You know, he he says yeah. he senses this kind of uh, 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 unease, which I could see a Jack Mort using to his advantage. You know, mm. in, in 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 a lot of the situations, but but yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I I don't know that I see him as a high powered CEO. I totally believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that 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 is the more pertinent detail for me. It's you know he he dies ignominy, ignominiously anyway. I can never say that word right yeah, the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just stretch it out for as long as possible. That way, people yeah. forgive you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, it's like jazz. If you hit the wrong note, you know, okay, fine. Hit it three more times. It's about, it's about the consonants that you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I wish I was fast enough to just say a sentence without any consonants. It would just be all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I talk anyway. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> so. Gets in a cab and kind of uh, again does this whole thing like let me to run let me know just take me to a, take me to a drugstore or to the uh, to, to to this uh, gun shop in here like this is a place that runs gun, guns for the mob because it's New York in the seventies everything has to uh, relate to the mob right mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> something that's not in the Mortzipedia is that Roland will need a permit in order to buy some of these uh some of these delightful bullets that he needs for his uh for his 45, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he develops a he develops a plan to uh to put this in action. Uh Sean, what do you think of his plan? I I, per- I think it's a ridiculous plan. Like I I've been <laughs> going over this and I'm trying to think how so he's he's trying to set up this pretty like Ocean's Eleven style scenario where it seems like there's so many more moving pieces than you really need. Like I just, I'm trying to understand. Like yeah, like that's definitely a point to talk about because so if I want a gun, my first thought isn't to bring in cops 
in order to get their like it just like I've 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 played a little Grand Theft Auto and that's about my my way of getting guns and I'm not sure that's the way I would do it in that game so <laughs> I I'm just I'm just uh yeah what do, what do you guys think about this plan because I I buy it and it's fun but I don't know if if I think about it too long it starts to seem overly complicated. Why does he bring the cops in at all? That is what yeah. I don't get and it's. It yeah. makes for an interesting thing, and I, and I guess to, to tell the listener, like he goes out, he tells the cops, like, "Hey, this guy stole my wallet," which he kind of drops underneath the counter, um, and also this guy was carrying a gun, which gets the cops real excited. Yeah, but yeah. like the cops were about to leave, like the, the you know, in the narrative, <laughs> the cops say that they were about to like just walk away and go go do something else for a little while. So he could have just leaned over and just like probably like slap this dude unconscious like cuz it's you know, you know yeah. Roland of Gilead he can do anything that he wants to yeah. and then just taken all the bullets and all of the guns that he wanted to and walk out i don't yeah. you know flip the clothes sign on his way out because he know, we'll find out later he knows how to do that yep. he knows yeah. the difference in open and closed well they they are in the great letters you see that's true yeah they are in the they are in the high the high, <laughs> the high alphabet or whatever but yeah, like I don't I'm with you Sean. Like this 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 whole setup where he baits these cops in there to I guess distract the guy so that he can knock everybody out just seems way overcomplicated. It sounds like Stephen King wanted to um ramp up the tension, right? Like yeah. he wanted yeah. to just like crank it up so that Roland was literally on the run from everything because <laughs> from this point forward, this is actually probably the worst decision Roland could have made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's like it's like Stephen King thought, okay, we need to have motivation for these cops to chase Roland later. Notwithstanding that he holds up a pharmacy in the next <laughs> couple pages. Like they're gonna they're gonna chase you, man. You know yeah. that from your world. You know, yeah. yeah. I know it's bad storytelling, but like I wish that there would have been some kind of statement of what he intended to do and why he wanted to get the cops involved. Like the ideal version of this would be, "Hey, this is the, this is what I want to do. Say that, and then have it go wrong and have him do this." As it stands, the way it turns out is portrayed as what he wanted to happen all along, yeah. and that is not good motivation. No, no, it's it's weird, and I I think I think. I let it slide because I love these cops. Oh yeah. These, they like, like, cause like what I, what I really like about these chapters is so Roland is really telling us what he thinks about our world. And so we get sort of some of Stephen King's views, but we get to see like normal people reacting to Roland and the way that King sets this up is just great. How he, he talks about, the like 10 years down the line when these cops think of something and they're remembering this moment to just really, because Roland's been so sick and mm -hmm. so hurt this whole book. So this chapter is really sort of a redemption for Roland in the fact that like he becomes this legendary character where these, <laughs> these two cops and then this old guard, they're like remembering him back in the day and the way he just like sets up those memories just makes yeah. this, it adds like sort of great, like a grandiose feel to this whole event, which is just holding up a gunshot really. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to let these cops off the hook for doing some gay jokes about the uh, about no. the handcuffs. I'm not sure if that was just, hey, this is Stephen King making a joke at the time that might have yep. that might have been yeah. acceptable. They, they 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 do a stereotypically gay voice and talk about, yeah. oh, I can't find the lavender handcuffs or whatever at this at this weapon store, which is no good. Late, later on at the uh, at the uh, drugstore, we also get um, from the lady on the phone, we get a homosexual slur over there, which makes me think that either yeah. Stephen King um, just was casually using this language back then. And I know he's you know, he's a pretty he's a pretty decent dude nowadays. So, like, you yeah. know, I'm not going to hold him. I'm not going to crucify him on what he wrote 
30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or he just literally thinks that everybody but him says these words. <laughs> right. Like, he yeah. just assumes that all ca- all cops are homosexual or uh, homophobic. Excuse me. Yeah. 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 So well, and he, he has a bunch of other slurs, too. And it, it like it happens with such frequency, like the cab driver. Like it's like every character who you hop in their head, they take an extra moment to just make a joke at the expense of, you know, a minority group and, and using terrible words. And it's like, is he trying to say something about New York or is he just, is it, he just unaware at this time of like, like, you know, like you said, he could have progressed, but it just, it really hits home really hard. How many slurs and stuff he, that are used in these chapters from yeah. every character you come across. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, the, this, this is 30 years later, regardless of his intent, it still comes across as pretty dated. Mm. Um, yeah. and, uh, yes, it's not, absolutely. is not executed in a way that, uh, that, that, that makes up for the deficit that is brought by doing this. Mm. So this is been... all of the, um, oh, probably like the t- the tightrope walking you guys have been doing on the podcast so far with Detta and Odetta. Um, like this, the casual usage here. And then if you go into other Stephen King fiction, um, like you get into the needful things of the world and that kind of stuff. Like there are some pretty gross things that he writes in there from the, from his characters doing gross things. Like it's not like yeah. Stephen King is out there calling anybody a racial slur, but he's using this language and it's just really bizarre. Like, I guess it fits the characters and it works, right. but now when I read it, I'm like, do you have to like, yeah. could yeah. you have made this point without the dude being racist yeah. or homophobic or whatever? Like so, you, you're, you're the creative genius. Like what about this <laughs> makes, can, makes you put it in there? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't read a tremendous amount of things that he has written post post dark tower. So it's hard for me to say if he, if, if he has just dropped this, there's an argument to be made that the way that a person uses language, um, specifically the way that a person uses vulgarity, um specifically in fiction uh says a lot about them and their character of somebody i'm watching veep right now and whenever tony hale's character you know this really like innocent you know kind of bag boy kind of guy um you know swears whenever he you know says fuck it's like oh this is this is serious because everybody around him is using this like that is just kind of example like that is a choice that can be made and a slur is a kind of swear it's just different and carry and has a it's different and it has a victim you know, mm-hmm. built into it. And this has been your duck feed social justice minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, I didn't mean to close the book on that. If there are any other thoughts, I just, I didn't want this to go oh, no, unremarked that's a, on. That's a good yeah. point to close. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have, I take exception with Stephen King and his stuff after the dark tower, because for a while there, every single one of his books, like it revolved around either a mentally challenged kid or like some young kid that was like, had psychic powers that could communicate with aliens or something like yeah. every single book had that. And it was like, dude, come on. Like <laughs> you got, you're, you're so creative. Like you were so smart at this stuff. Like, why is it always the same thing? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see more. We will see more. Um, but, um, so the, the, the things that Sean was talking about and that I alluded to earlier, so these cops are involved and, you know, they, they notice something is off about this guy. There are two specific anecdotes that we get kind of in rough succession. The first is one of them, um, later on goes to a science museum and sees a, a computer that does chess, right? That plays chess. And it kind of calculates this move and waits. And he, you know, remembers, oh, that person, you know, that we, that we dealt with that one time, you know, this, <laughs> this horrible monster who caused so much chaos, you know, there was this similar kind of delay in his speech. Oh, huh, that's weird. More so, 
the other person, so the other the other police officer, is going to see a movie and he sees a character who kind of has the same icy intonation and the same delay and the same lack of affect. And he gets up and screams, it's him, it's him, and then dies of a heart attack. And in a, what I think is a pretty good uh, turn of phrase or a way of uh, uh, revealing this information says, and that movie was, of course, The Terminator. <laughs> and so, and so there's a lot of stuff later on in the series that we're not going to talk about in a lot of very explicit detail right now because it could be construed as spoilers or whatever where specific pop culture is brought into the story um and either used to make a point or used as an actual device in the plot or used as a point of comparison in this book so far we have seen a reference to the shining a movie based on one of stephen king's own works and also this right here, which is used to explain the way that he's acting, saying he is so reminiscent of the Terminator that the very resemblance is enough to cause a man to die. Like the seats for this are actually laid out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also they also say the dude is 70 years old, a heavy smoker and has a bad heart. So like it's not <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't just Arnold. It wasn't just Arnold on the screen. Right. Like right. It, was, it, was, it was it was a it was a confluence of factors. But yeah, right. like. The fact that this dude that like Roland basically terrified this dude to death 30 years later by like <laughs> consulting his Jacklopedia is just hysterical to me. Like, it's just yeah. so great. Yep. Um, so uh, everything kind of goes into motion as these cops are brought in there and they, 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 they question the guy. And then Roland slams their heads together like two coconuts. <laughs> 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 they would say it's like it's like two large rocks hitting each other um he takes one of their guns pull points at the guy at the at the clerk who screams and farts um and roland is so honorable he takes the four the, the four boxes of bullets and leaves money for him yeah, <laughs> yeah this is really I, I like that roland is honorable enough to try to start paying people for all the stuff that he's holding them hostage for basically but yeah. like roland you just like smacked around two cops you caused this dude to fart and scare himself so badly he wet himself which is an impressive thing to make somebody do like then you're gonna drop the 420s on the on the on the table and leave like what, what? yeah you've got like two minutes eddie is still trussed up about to get ate up like yeah. hurry up don't worry about settling up the tab yeah yeah See, he's halfway to, eaten the sun go ahead john i, I have to take the low road here because i actually i listened through this section twice in preparation and I'm such I'm such a I'm such a like I don't know my sense of humor is pretty pretty basic because man I I I laughed both times when he talks about how the guy the guy farts and thinks it's a gunshot and I'm just like <laughs> I, I, I just that. <laughs> he thinks it's a gunshot which is why he wets himself and screams <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just cracks me up <laughs> that's pretty good yeah i'm looking here i highlighted it but i forgot to make a note of that particular series of events <laughs> yeah, i just imagine being so scared that your own heart causes you to wet yourself it's just yeah. <laughs> i don't know yep. i'm 12 years old so <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 good you know uh, uh stephen king can uh he, he works he works very well in these low the, the, the this low language these low forms right to, mm. to, say, to say it as pretentiously as fucking possible. Go ahead. <laughs> while we're talking about this dude um, uh, farting and wetting himself, um, a little bit later, and it's not big enough to really mention, but 
Like he's so terrified by this whole experience. He wants to get right with God. And he's like, I'm, I was just skimming a little from Balazar, but now I'm going to quit that. I'm going to go do a confession. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. like, he, he wants to change his whole life after this experience. But I also like the Balazar reference. Like that dude hasn't like, you know, that dude's still alive because we're mm-hmm. earlier than we were before. So yeah. just a neat little like world building thing in there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mentioned it last time, but, uh, but Balazar is the person who hits Jake. So <laughs> I forget when that's revealed, but, oh, yeah. it's, but it's in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Wheels within wheels. Cause a wheel, man. Yep. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a four wheel Chevrolet, but it's cause a wheel. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. So he's got his he's got his uh, his bullets. Now he can attend the less pressing matter, which is making sure he doesn't, you know, die of crab bite. Um, and uh, heads heads over to the drugstore. Meanwhile, we get a, a cut back to the beach. Eddie is panicking again, reminding us of these stakes. And this is kind of a, a <laughs> when I was reading back through this, I was like, wait a minute, does this happen? Is is Eddie horrifically scarred? Because it's just pre- presented another another subheader of these lobsterosities coming up and then like peeling skin from Eddie's face. Yeah. 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 This seems very yeah. unlike Roland to, to think um, like. And he shakes himself, shakes him, he, excuse me, he shakes it off pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Like, he's like, D- you can't really think about that. And he has, like, a memory of court telling him, like, shut up, maggot, you know, d- do the things, control the things you can control. And, you know, yeah. probably clacks him in the ear because that's the kind of teacher that court is. But, <laughs> right. um, like, it's, it's, it is presented in a way that it got me, like, even as I reread it again right before the show, just to refresh my memory, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But doesn't it seem unlike Roland to do this? He he doesn't present a lot of anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's a much better way of saying that. Yeah. I, you know, it just it's, it's nothing saying. You know, it says a, a, a brave a brave man is not a person who's never who's who's never scared. A brave man is somebody who doesn't let his change his behavior. You know, like so it could just mm-hmm. be one of these moments. But like it's it's a little bit of like a like a stunt almost on King's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it keeps the, like, I think it's it's just sort of like a little gotcha, but <laughs> it keeps it keeps the pacing going because just giving you that extra little panic, you know, it's it's sort of a cheap move, but like, it's it, it does help to just keep that constant like worry because uh, it definitely feels like it's more for the audience than he he like extends to being slightly out of character for Roland in order to just keep that panic going yeah. is sort of how I took it. To remind you of the stakes, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel good, bad, or indifferent about it. It's just uh, yeah. it, was, it was a very jarring thing to come back to. Um, yeah, so Roland is walking down the streets of New York with gun belts crossed over his hips because he had stolen <laughs> those guns from the cops in order to bring them back to uh, to Eddie and, uh, and, and Odetta at this point. And the picture here, like I always have this like really vivid mental image because Jack was wearing this like blue, what I can only assume like is a power suit. And he's got, they've made a point of saying that he's got a fancy Rolex. He's got Gucci shoes on. And then (laughs) Roland has taken this outfit slung two like revolvers, like not even like police wear them where they're straight, but he'd even say like slung them crisscrossed them. Like he wears them yeah, and is running down the street so that the suit jacket is blowing behind him and the guns are fully visible. Like the only thing he's missing is like himself holding onto a cowboy hat of some kind, right? Like <laughs> this picture is just insane to me and I love it so much. This like, mm-hmm. like weird thing that people must be looking around me and like, I guess it's New York. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the they man, must be filming something again. <laughs> the man in blue fled across Fifth Avenue and the NYPD followed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it That's is really 
<laughs> it was really good. <laughs> it, it is a raid like this as he walks into Katz's drugstore, and we get this, again, a scene of another uh, professional who runs afoul of Roland, uh, you know, as he is as he is body jacking, uh, uh, as this... <laughs> This pharmacist thinks, hey, um, this is not uh, this is the worst that it's going to get is somebody uh, haranguing me to fill their Valium prescription. Right. Like, so that is who he's here for. Roland, meanwhile, is stepping in and immediately wonders at the array of tonics and tinctures in front of him, but finds out that it is all a hoax, you know, as he uh, consults the Mortsopedia. Um, and then remembers he has a recollection of in his travels before, you know, the, the, the gunslinger meeting a magician named Randall Flagg and being, you know, being chased by two men named Dennis and Thomas. Right. So that is our Eyes of the Dragon connection. If you've been waiting for how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the same universe. <gasps> yep. It's another barony. It's like two kingdoms over. If you look at the map. <laughs> sure right there it's just yeah, right next yeah. to it just right there it's right, <laughs> I, next to, right next to gilead yeah. i love this that uh roland was really expecting this to be like a um like a stereotypical medieval like apothecary type situation <laughs> yeah. with like a you know a hooded figure that might be trouble and you know he looked through the windows and he saw all these like smiley happy people and was like oh that's an illusion and then walked in i was like wait that's not an illusion what the fuck is this <laughs> i just yeah. really I, like it's so good Good, like yeah. Roland expecting this and then not getting, and it just made me think of like if we actually had apothecaries in the modern day, how awkward it would be to have to go in and get like your hemorrhoid cream from them and be like, Martin, <laughs> yes, Jeremy. I just need, dude. I just need stop, stop doing the voice. I just need my, I just need my medicine. All I need. Present me a balm of witch hazel. <laughs> dude, just, just give me the preparation H and let me leave. I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you were going to say something, Sean. Oh no! It just uh, I think that it's uh, the fact that he thinks they're illusions. Uh, it just it just gets me like to what extent? Like it just doesn't seem set up in his world. Like are there illusions around his apothecaries? Do like do his like do the wizards in his world like to have fake people parade around? It just it's a really strange thought to imagine that he's like oh they must be illusions because that's it's just such a weird place to go with that instead of assuming like yeah. i don't know maybe they're thralls maybe they're yeah. something but they're probably fake people <laughs> in uh in, yeah in, they're definitely fake people <laughs> in his head he's in a strange place yeah yeah i don't know yeah, yeah and i can relate to that because when i was when i was traveling over in uh I, I was over in germany for a while and we were we were going around to different countries and inevitably traveling people get sick and there is there is something very confusing about trying to go to like a pharmacy or something in another country in a way that does feel kind of relatable here just because you're like you're looking for the sign if it's a cross or like a snake there's always some like weird way it does have that sort of iconic like it just it just felt kind of a uh, similar to that where it is this sort of weird place where you're not exactly sure what to expect. Maybe he thought the people were actually dogs that were turned into people because he, he talked oh, about oh. Flag while he was being chased by Dennis and Thomas and never being able to forget Flag turning a man into a dog. So maybe he yeah. just assumes that the other is possible. Like this guy had a lot of puppies. He turned them into people to make make, make people think not to come in the apothecary for some <laughs> yeah. reason. The, the, <laughs> the, the apothecary. Work with me here. <laughs> Yeah, it's the apothecary. In case you missed it, apothecary. <laughs> I, I, I felt the need to make sure people heard that, uh, which shows you I was proud of myself and thought I did a good job. 
and we agreed. <laughs> so, so he goes in, and you know, Cat's hot off the heels of getting this, uh, getting this woman her her, her Valium. Says, "Hey, uh, I need all of the Keflex that you've got." And he does the whole chieflet thing. Uh, I want a lot now, and never mind the Rex RX, which to me <laughs> is. <laughs> Which to me um, actually calls to mind, like, okay, so how is he accessing this information? Is he seeing it written? Because RX, I, you know, I've never in my entire life heard somebody refer to <laughs> to a prescription written RX as, as as Rex. Like, hey, what about the Rex? Especially in the plural form of like, never mind the Rexes or whatever. Like, because he, he actually <laughs> says that there's. And to me, like, if it was Jack Mort, like, had access to weird pills or whatever, because mm-hmm. he's a high-powered CPA he's for got some those reason, like, pills. <laughs> he's got his business pills, dog. <laughs> 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 he gets them from Balazar. It all yeah. ties in. Uh, <laughs> but like, wouldn't he refer to it? Like, wouldn't Jack know them as scripts? Like, that seems yeah. like a more common slang for that. Like, I, mean, I got some scripts from this, you know, friendly doctor I know, so I can get my stupid illegal pills or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, the Rexus thing really weirded me out too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it it makes sense if you if you say it out loud. No, it doesn't. It makes less sense if you do that. I don't I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm really Maybe to let this it is pass. a weird like North Englander thing that we just uh, oh, wait, wait, maybe. Sean, you're from North England, right? Yeah, no, we, we say scripts. I, I have a I have okay, my good. mom works for a doctor's <laughs> office. My wife works at a pharmacy. Never heard Rex's in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I do I do like the uh the the, the the gunshot here though, because that's what actually gets cats like attention. Yeah. Um because <laughs> Roland fine. walks in in full gunslinger and this security guard like pulls on him and gun and, and Roland just like is like as if nothing in the world. In fact, he said he, I had to hurry it up a little bit because I was going to be—I was slow on the draw. Just shoots the gun out of his hand. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he shoots the gun out of his hand while he's at the table um, or at the uh, at the counter. Um, also, he shoots—he uh, shoots a knife out of somebody else's hand because he sees them coming around the corner in the uh, in the mirror globe. Yeah, it shoots the knife like apart, like with the yeah. guy still holding <laughs> the handle. Like shoots the, the blade <laughs> off. Well, I, I love it because it's Roland of Gilead. I do. I love when right. Roland does these like kind of trick shots. And I think they even refer to it as like, like an Annie Oakley shot, right? Like yeah, I love yeah. that stuff. But like, man, can you imagine like someone shoots at you and like you look down and all of a sudden your knife is gone? That's yep. so great. Also, he, he doesn't look at him. It, they make a point to say like he just turns his gun and fires. Like he, he doesn't oh, yeah. break eye contact with cats. <laughs> As he performs, uh, in Katz's word, what must be the first penicillin robbery in history. (laughs) 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 And, you know, just because Roland's an honorable guy and he doesn't care about Jack Mort's possessions for reasons we're going to find out pretty soon, he decides to pay for $60 worth of Keflex with a $6,500 Rolex watch, which causes (laughs) Katz to not press charges. Yep. <laughs> so let's cut back over to our friends the cops as they wake up to radio chatter about our friend roland uh nay jack mort okay um <laughs> hearing about this hold up and they freak out that oh shit our service weapons have been stolen and discharged we are fucked if we don't get it back so that is their motivation to act as recklessly as they do 
<laughs> yeah, they literally like jump into the car, peel out like it's a like an action, like a Charles Bronson movie with one of the cops <laughs> hanging out of the side with a shotgun. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. They They're so up. over the top. They just open fire into the front window of this pharmacy without knowing if anybody's inside. <laughs> And I love that it pisses Roland off so much, right? Like Roland sees this and he's like, these are, these are assholes. Like I wasn't, I tried to take it easy on him before and I'm not, I don't want to kill him because they're gunslingers, but I'm going to fuck him up a little bit. Like I'm going to go after him. <laughs> yeah. Like he straight up charges one of them, tackles them, you know, like knocks him out or knocks him insensate and says, Hey, you're a danger to everybody around you and you should be sent West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And meanwhile, he's, you know, he, he's glorifying in this. Uh, it's it's probably not that much of a spoiler to say this is the last time that he's going to be able to hold a, a gun in his whole right hand. He even says, oh, it feels so damn good. Like, this is kind of him and his element in a weird, perverse way. Again, we have these two killers, Sam Body, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> uh, I like that he does the super hot move, too. Like, when the cop comes in with a shotgun, he punches <laughs> the cop catches the shotgun as the dude drops it and then like clubs the other dude with it breaking his face in like five places and i love that stephen king goes out of his way to be like he needed four pins and three surgeries to put himself right (laughs) yep it broke his oculus bone yeah Yeah. (laughs) just makes you feel so good about that i don't know just makes you feel like like that they got what they deserve yeah whatever it's pieces of shit i'll i'll teach you to do a gay voice yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah roland really seems like it's like uh I, I just love the way like he does focus on it quite a bit. He's just he's like a parent. He's like, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. And I'm going to fuck you guys up as a result. He's just yeah. so I just love how he he puts on what a gunslinger is onto them. And just how he spends quite a few sentences just saying, like, this isn't how it's done. Like <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he cuts them off a slice of court. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> now that he has escaped, you know, from this pin down position, he has a plan. Um, and in order to get where he needs to go to get the information uh, about where he needs to end up uh, in this car, he demands from Jack, hey, tell me where the village is or I will gouge your eyeball out because Roland does not give a fuck. <laughs> But his plan is to go to the uh, go to the subway station where Odetta was was pushed, where she lost her legs. I was just on the on the you know pulling his eye out or whatever, gouging his eye out. Like I love the fact that they're in the same mind. Stephen King says um, that they have a way more intimate relationship than even having sex with somebody because it's a mind to mind connection. Yeah. So Morton absolutely one hundred percent understands that Roland is not screwing with him. He's not bluffing. <laughs> like he's totally capable of doing this. And like immediately, Mort falls in line. Is like, yeah. yes, I will drive you. Yes, sir. No, yeah, no, right away, sir. Absolutely, sir. Please don't <laughs> poke my eye out, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so so Mort woke up when Roland was showered was showered with glass by the by the front mm-hmm. door being shot out. You know the paint. The you know the paint on his body woke him up. Um, and throughout the rest of this chapter, pretty much. Um, Mort is screaming kind of incomprehensibly, um, for most of the time, you know, saying like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Stuff like that. And Roland has no mercy for it whatsoever. Yeah, no, he, he recognizes that part of, part of what Mort is doing is like, uh, how's he put it? Like disingenuous in some way, like yeah. he's screaming, but the, like there's, 
there's something about how it's not like how a normal person would be screaming. He's sort of doing it just as a reaction. I, I, I didn't quite understand that part, but yeah, just be like, Hey, you acting more scared than you actually are in order to yeah. like, uh, you try and evoke an emotional response out of somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like how for this, like Roland, because they have that mind to mind connection, he can't, he can't think too much about what he's planning to do to Jack. So he has to just like lay out step by step, like little breadcrumbs to <laughs> what his ultimate goal is. Yeah. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this, in the subway station. First of which is one of those cops uh, shoots him in the chest and he spins around and falls to the ground. Um, he's safe, right? The bullet doesn't break in, you know, and I about said doesn't break into his heart, which sounds like a weird, like a, like a Smith's <laughs> line or something like that. Um, but instead hits, uh, hits a lighter that's in his breast pocket. Uh, and it's out of the frying pan and literally into the fire because that sets him <laughs> on fire. <laughs> so again, tick tock, tick tock. Did, did, did either one of you, did either one of you catch the line here where um, Stephen Key says something about Jack's heart not being as name brand as his as the stuff that he buys, which really like it's like fortunately like his you know affinity for brands does not go below the skin. And I'm like, what are you, what what are you talking about? Like the bullet, <laughs> we get it, the bullet stopped it, but like yeah. we know Jack is bad. Like he doesn't have a brand name heart. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Like why would. <clears throat> Yeah, the, 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 that is absolutely a crazy, uh, a crazy way to try and characterize it. It's sold, right? Like, all you have to tell me is like Rolex and Gucci and his workers are afraid of him. And I have a pretty good portrait of the dude. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, this dude is on fire. And uh, I, I love this because he, uh, you know, Roland ignores all of the pain. Mort starts screaming in his head like he can. He's just like, please make this stop. Put me out. This hurts so bad. And Roland is just straight up ignoring him. <laughs> So he can lay in still. order to like trap the cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, so the cop who winged him comes up and you know tries to you know say, like to to investigate the situation. Roland kicks him in the chest, pins him, says, "Hey, you know what? You're okay. Like you're not as you're not as bad as that that other fucker who fired indiscriminately into a building. Um, but don't follow me because I do not want to have to kill you." And then he breaks for it. <laughs> Which this has got to be a weird thing to report to um, your superior <laughs> after all of this is said and done, right? What did he say anything to you? Well, <laughs> is, is this some kind he of actually like, did tell me? Is this some kind of crazy, involved, intricate training operation? Like, did I pass? <laughs> Help me! <laughs> this is a weird way to get to the Secret Service, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> So, so Roland in Mord's body again, he rushes to the platform, drops trow and uh, stuffs uh, the bullets, the guns and the medicine into uh, Mort's tidy whities. Um, it's it's mentioned that they resemble a horse panties and, and that's the language that's used in the book. And in the comic books, frustratingly, they make it out that Mort wears women's underwear when he does his killing mm -hmm. and stuff as this thing, like in order really? to make him like sexy and dangerous or whatever. Not sexy mm -hmm. and dangerous, but like, oh, here's a here's a deviance any number of way. Like it's, you know, like wearing women's underwear is uh, is a way that, uh, you know, just a, a sign that somebody is no good, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. But no, like he's just noticing that like Mort's wearing tidy whities. He's wearing briefs, you know? 
Yeah, definitely not not the ladies ladies underwear. It's not I pictured him like Walter Whiting it onto the tracks. Like that's sort of the <laughs> yeah. vision in my head. One hundred percent is what I was envisioning, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so like the comics are generally okay, like specifically the adaptations of the gunslinger and the drawing of, of the three and, and and beyond. Um but that particular detail is like taking this line from the book way too literally. Um, yeah. I much prefer that, you know, more it's a tidy whitey guy, you know, <laughs> not that there's any judgment behind it, but like it doesn't line up with Roland's expectation of what a dude wraps his junk with, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would make sense. Like, I mean, we, we in the modern day, we're all weird about underwear. Like, I mean, <laughs> I bet if I bet if Roland ever heard an ad for me undies on a podcast, it would blow his fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, wait, you're just going to send me underwear like i'll just make some or get my mother to buy me some i don't need you to send me one oh 10 percent off you say <laughs> oh wow if I, use, if I if i use the if i use the discount code at radio free midworld wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say please don't try to do that uh, don't try to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i ordered one pair of meandies and they sent me a hat which was very nice but i did not order a second a like a hat one. for your junk or yeah it was a, a jimmy cat hat. no no just, jimmy a, just <laughs> no just a just, <laughs> Just just a hat, like they. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> you got um, Jimmy yeah. hat is great. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I just I ordered a pair. It's like you know because like I don't know. I've I've gotten some good deals on podcast stuff. Like they're it's generally okay, but it's like ah, this isn't much better than what I can get elsewhere. Like I understand there are probably finer distinctions, but no, in the box uh, uh, was a uh, like like a baseball cap that said MeUndies on it. Not, gonna, not that I'm going to wear it, but it, you know, it was it was it was a thing that they that they spent money on. Probably it's like a house hat. <laughs> it's like a what? It, it's like a house hat. You just wear it around your house. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've got my <laughs> I've got my slippers on my house shoes. I've got my robe, my house coat, and I've got my undies hat, my house hat. <laughs> no, that's, that's quite the ensemble. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just totally nude right now. You guys must be cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so looking at this here um he's got all this stuff that has to make contact with his skin uh, in order for him to you know pass through with the things that he desperately needs on the other side and he hops down onto the tracks you know knowing that this is going to be a way to to do a couple of things simultaneously this is what this accomplishes first off um it gets jack Mord out of the world right this is a dangerous person roland is revulsed by the very presence of him this is him you know, killing him from within within his own mind, right? This is never said. This is just the way that I look at it, right? This mm-hmm. uh, happens in the place where Odetta lost her legs, thus kind of bringing Odetta or bringing Detta herself closer to the surface, right? One of the first real times where you know the uh, the the recurrences and the relapses started happening, um, and he's also doing this to convince. Um, Detta and Odetta to look through the door so they can confront each other because both Eddie and Roland have uh, encountered this dissonance uh, at looking at, at themselves through the doors, you know, looking at themselves through the door. It's not a mirror. It's like looking at yourself. So this is convoluted cosmologically, but it's the plan. So <laughs> I don't quite know what to say other than the train comes and Roland's like, "Hey, Odetta, look." Um, as yeah, this this is one of those weird quartet moments that Roland just kind of intuits, and this happens a lot more in the in the wastelands. But I think this might be one of the first moments we see this where he's like, "I don't know if I have a telepathic connection, but 
Roland, your whole goddamn plan depends on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Like your whole plan was to like run him off and to turn at the right moment, but you've done nothing on the other side to trust that. I guess he's trusting Ka, right? Like that's right, that's right. what he's doing here. But he sends this like telepathic thing of like Detta, oh Detta, you know, look at me, and it works because you know plot. But it's <laughs> it's it's just one of these weird content things that. I think as I'm reading it now that I'm a little older, this this rings is a little hollow to me. Yeah, and well, it's fine. Like to, I don't, I don't. It doesn't yeah. bother me, but it's this is there. Yeah. To be fair, like if if you're sitting on a beach waiting for the lobstrosities to come up, like this is going to be some good TV. So, like <laughs> that's true. I, you know what? I'm you're not absolutely e- right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he needs the psychic connection. I think he just needs <laughs> to be doing this crazy stuff, like set set himself on fire. Like if you were watching this, I'd be pretty invested. <laughs> Yep. Especially if you hate the person who's inside this, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. hey, ter- terrible things are happening to him. Maybe the train's going to hit him. Maybe the train is going to hit him before he comes out. <laughs> Not to get too in the weeds of like um, the like a what if thing, but um, I wonder what would have happened if Detta like did they did they did, did is there anything in the text that of Eddie or Detta going through the door not being able to go through the door like Roland does? No, Odetta and Detta, they never try to go through the doors. Eddie is able mm-hmm. to go through himself um, when they go back to Balazar's, right? As long as the door never closes, you know, it, it follows mm-hmm. Roland up, you know, up there and he's able to bring them. Roland even says like, hey, I'm going to need you to come with me when I go to the pusher or when I go when I go in to uh, to meet uh, the lady, right? They didn't know her name yet, um, but mm-hmm. there, there, there's no point where. There's no point where anybody is denied passage. Okay. I was just like, I was just imagining the situation where, uh, Odetta or no, excuse me, Detta like sees this as an opportunity to get back to the real world goes mm. in. And all of a sudden there's Roland, Odetta <laughs> and Detta all in Jack Mort's mind. And then he just <laughs> literally goes crazy, right? <laughs> Crazier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or go, probably just absolutely goes insane because because oh, yeah. she'd start screaming like all three of them would probably start screaming so. <laughs> just nothing but, it's pages and pages of ah <laughs> yeah. have, have you seen that twitter account the um constant screaming that's literally just tweets with ah across <laughs> of it every day no i have not <laughs> oh gosh i love those things uh the the the, the, the same picture of john coulier every day whatever yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so what happens is um uh Detta looks into the mirror and sees um kind of her true self you know gets this dissonance and in a body that already has this amount of dissonance you know sh- sharing the same physical form alternating times whatever this causes some kind of split uh between them and they become two different physical entities at least for a short time and this is Obviously, playing fast and loose for dramatic effect. Who knows how much of this is metaphorical? Who knows how much of this is a manifestation or spiritual? Any of that? Odetta has never been. So Detta has never been presented as like an interloper, right? Like an outside force uh, that inhabits Odetta's mind, um, like we see Roland doing, or like we see later in the series. Um, but. What happens is, you know, they they split and all of a sudden we have two women, both of them beautiful, both of them, you know, screaming in anguish as they are separated from their other and they start attacking each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Roland, as he, you know, passes back through Jack Mort having died alone, you know, severed at the waist, which gross. 
Um, you know, they're yeah, having. Okay. It's not a happy ending for Jack at all. No, no, but <laughs> it's, the, it's the ending he deserved. Um, you know, Roland comes back through and sees the two of them screaming, and there's this dialogue between Detta and Odetta, and Detta kind of gives gives her rationale, right? And all of it goes back to the blue plate. Um, I'm going to try and strip the patois of this, but I took the blue plate because, you know, the <laughs> that woman, the blue woman, her aunt, uh, landed her in the hospital, you know, like, they're just like that, like that is, that, that, that is what happened. That is why this, you know, the, the, this whole thing is there. She wanted revenge. Um, and, bespo- and, and besides, like she didn't get, you know, the plate, like she feels like she's owed something. She feels like, Hey, you know, like she is, she is the result of, you know, some kind of terrible deal. And that's why she seeks this revenge. And that's kind of her, her kind of like cosmic motivation, this, horrible sense of being slighted in this horrible sense of need and anger right yeah she says like this this bustin line and i know like cue the bustin makes me feel good's track already oh, but um the the, <laughs> the um for special plate like i found it it need i busted it because it needs busting and when i found it white boys that need to be busted i busted them too yeah like I, this like it and you know odetta is surrounded with this racial conflict and this thing you know this this she's a product of her time of the civil rights movement and everything. And it's like, she's very much on the opposite side of Odetta and it's never more apparent than when she's doing this stuff because, you know, Odetta, it's very quickly going to like weirdly fall in love with Eddie Dean for some reason. <laughs> I actually, pretty really, I really like, he, I guess so. Like he sounds like he's a 21 year old smart ass, which at my, at my current age, I can't stand. Yeah, so okay, maybe yeah, maybe he's cooler go. than I'm giving him credit for. But, but like right now, every 21 year old smart ass is an egg on Twitter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm so glad Twitter wasn't around when I was 21. Oh Jesus. Dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like this moment because we see Detta and, and like kind of full rage and then Odetta recognizes like, Oh, Hey, like I'm the one that's in control here. Like I'm the one that can change this. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't take away anything from Detta. She's still mad, but then she realizes like, Oh wait, like I, this, this isn't all me. Like I have something more than this weird patchois thing that I'm doing. Um, so I, I, I've really, really enjoyed this, like physically splitting of these two people that, and then joining them right back together again. Yeah. They, I mean, she decides, and you know, so so Detta is choking Odetta, and Odetta decides, you know, instead of using her own hands to to choke Detta back, she decides to embrace, right, and say like, "Hey, I love you, I accept you," and and this causes the the the, the fusing, right? This is their this is their fusion dance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody laughed. <laughs> the fusion thing. I was uh, I was taking a sip, but yes, this is this is the moment where they join and become Garnet. Absolutely. But so there there is a little bit of a parallel here, right? Uh, there is the uh, the um, professors Xavier Magneto split. There is the nonviolence versus violence that happens here. This is Odetta choosing to make the make the decision right i don't know if okay so i'll ask both of you am i loading too much of that significance into it of of odetta taking the charge and nonviolence being the answer you know again leading back to the no, civil rights kind of thing okay mm-hmm. no yeah i mean i, I don't I think so yeah. I, don't, I don't know what, i don't want to answer for sean but uh like immediately after this odetta is kind of like this standing there and like kind of shocked that all of this has happened and then she hears Detta in her voice in her in her mind but it's not Detta's voice anymore it's her voice yeah so like they have 
they have blended together, but like the, the overriding personality is one of rationality. Like yeah. it's not just this crazy visceral, like bullshit, psychotic thing that Dada yeah. was doing. Like even back to the in the ambulance where she was screaming at that poor like paramedic, and he was like, well, "Who is this person?" Yeah. <laughs> like several chapters ago. Like absolutely, like the nonviolence winning is 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 the thing here. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think it's uh, I think yeah, it's a thing where like Odetta is just um, she's she's helping to like you said like wrangle in that rage, just and also to kind of accept that rage at the same time because there is definitely a you know some some justice that Odetta's looking for that is kind of deserved. It's just that she's so she's so mad and she feels like you know so helpless that you know Odetta stepping in is sort of a a move of like pacifism within that, but also sort of a move of acceptance and therefore like sort of giving her a way to act that's more productive than what she's been doing. Yeah. So, so, so the fusion that takes place and we don't get this until the beginning of the, of the next book that kind of describes what's going on here. We're getting, um, you know, Detta's ability to, you know, her, her, her cunning, right. Um, and her just kind of in, immense, just razor sharp kind of intelligence and situational awareness and, you know, sense of viciousness, you know, something that, you know, is necessary to make her a gunslinger um, that is tempered by, again, a sense of justice and a, a, a better sense of judgment from Odetta, you know, without, without Odetta's kind of attendant um, kind of hangups and, you know, just general um, kind of uh, holier than thou kind of stuff to make her into a whole person. You know, right now she has been two completely separate people up until this point. And, the, and, and this is what happens as they realize, hey, um, this sick guy is not going to save my husband all alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I love I love Detta. You know, when when things start happening right now, when like things start going crazy, Detta like yelling at Odetta in her mind to be like, you have to go shoot them damn crabs. Yeah. Like, shoot them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden the. The, the line of all of a sudden her hands were full of thunder because he grabs Rowan's guns and just starts blowing them away. Yeah. And it's man, it's so much it's there's some there's some moments with Detta and Odetta in the, in this book that I just love. The other one is very, very early in the books when um, she comes out and she says, you know, young man, what are you going to do with that knife as Eddie's holding the knife against uh, the gunslinger's <laughs> neck like yep. that? And um, like her hands are full of thunder. Like it makes me really, really like the character. Like I I they're just like this woman is just cool like yep. you can tell like, even with all of these challenges she is just a she's a gunslinger yep. like she, right here she proves it she she is ridiculously competent like in a way that in a way that Eddie is with his words you know she is in following with you know Roland and the way of the gun you know in the way in the way of weapons you know and just in having a having a better assessment of the world as the way it is around her you know it's pretty great agreed yeah so Eddie is saved and Roland asks, okay, what, like, which one are you? Who are you? And she says, I am three women. Uh, I, who was, I, who had no right to be, but was, and I, I am the woman, uh, that you have saved. And that's the way that it's end. you know, that it ends. We have our two, our, let's see here. Our, th our three primary antagonists dealt with Mort has been cut in half by a train. Neat. Um, we have Detta. Um, kind of being, well, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Detta being fused with Odetta, um, in order to, um, form this more complete third. And we have the Lobstrosities, uh, you know, dead as fuck. 
<laughs> well, and also the, now that the Lobstrosities um, have seen what guns do, there's a moment where uh, Roland's like, "I suspected that they were slightly intelligent," and here we saw it. Like as soon as two or three of them get clipped, the rest of them turn around and just carry ass. Like yep. it's great. They're like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> didn't realize you guys had guns." Yep. Talk to you later. <laughs> later. Data later. Data cater. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, they just wave by and then they're out. Yeah. Um, so do we have? Uh, so do you guys have any thoughts about kind of this action-packed chapter here, the drawing before we get to the final shuffle in this in this epilogue for the book? I guess just in an English, it's sort of a uh, a minor English one-on-one way. I sort of like this uh, this theme of like s- like seeing yourself, and it just um, it's just so interesting because I picked up on the fact that like Roland is characterized by other people seeing his actions. And then um, our world is characterized by Roland as an outsider looking at it. And it all sort of comes together in finally doing this thing where, you know, Odetta and Detta see each other. So I just I think it was a I, I you know, I read these things mostly, you know, just, you know, for the entertainment value. But I think it's some good sort of thematic writing, just keeping that idea of like just characters sort of seeing each other is just I like how the writing sort of lends itself towards the ultimate goal of these chapters. So. It's all about the eyes, you know, something we mm. didn't mention when, when we painted the picture of Roland and happening the body of Jack Mort um, is the piercing blue eyes kind of coming through a different kind of blue mm-hmm. than, than than Mort actually, you know, carries forward. You know, it, it literally changes, changes the view and changes the window, you know? Yeah, exactly. Jeremy. I, I don't have much like I kind of feel like we've. I've talked about pretty much everything that I I like about this chapter. I just, this, I think this more than anything, uh, even more so than the gunslinger itself, the original book sealed this series to me. Like it was at this moment of these three people coming together and now they've got the medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. Eddie's not addicted to cocaine or to heroin anymore. And, uh, Detta has turned into this, like you said, this, this rational third, like this was the moment where the content was formed and it, and it's, perfect like it's yeah. just it, this was the moment that got me so excited to read the rest of the series and <laughs> i was so happy that there was a third book and then i was so bummed when i read the third book and had to wait seven years <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so yeah uh whereas the, the the gunslinger itself was a was a great exercise in, in in world um and you know had a little bit of you know good relationship again with these this economy between the three main players between roland and 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 jake and walter um this really puts the rubber to the road in terms of in, in terms of character and pace and tension and plot like it moves forward in a really cool way and you know just to, to see everything come together you know with all these echoes kind of collapsing in on themselves you know as as everything you know as as our you know the third collapses in on herself too <laughs> um uh it's 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 all so great and i just love this uh the, 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 this chapter you know pound for pound um the whole scene between let's say the uh the the, the pharmacy and the subway um is probably some of the best that the book ever that that, that the series gets mm-hmm. yeah yeah agreed agreed so let's see how this all shakes out um they are you know they still have to deal to deal with the infection you know as they're loading um roland up with keflex and dealing with you know antibiotic shits and what have you and trying to move up the beach as they as they go um this th- this final shuffle section ends with them hunting for deer right so finally something besides lobster meat sorry lobstrosity meat i'll put a 
dollar in the jar, I guess. Um, <laughs> and there's also grass. They can get some greens. And Roland, delirious, wakes up and says, no, do not eat the devil weed. Never that. Never that. Yeah. As a uh, as good, good on Roland for you know coming out of his you know <laughs> illness fugue to be like nope not that stuff don't do that and then immediately go right back into his illness fugue. Yep, <laughs> he just has a really good um a really good habit of doing that of just waking up in the most opportune moments and then immediately having to go right back into you know it's it's caught and then we're, sickness state and then we're, we're it's caught and we're just gonna have to get used to that. <laughs> yep, because, because it's going to be here for the rest of the series. <laughs> so, um, uh, and what's left here is, you know, the presentation of the quest and then giving them one last kind of opportunity to accept it, notwithstanding the fact that they are, uh, you know, trapped in this strange world and here for a purpose. So Roland is dreaming of the tower and, you know, we get introduced to this new character. We've called her by this name a couple of times. This is who she is for the rest of the series, barring a couple of lapses. Um, Susanna Dean. You know, she is married. She has taken Eddie's name. You know, again, there are two people um, out of their element in this new world. And Roland, holding on to Walter's jawbone, says, like, hey, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go on this quest, you know, to the very end. I can't guarantee you're going to live. But... This is the, this is what we're up against. And, you know, Eddie is more deeply affected by this than, than Susanna is, you know, saying, Hey, you're selling my brother. Um, I, I love this line here, right? As cheesy as it is, uh, man, I've got such a soft spot for Eddie. Sorry. I'm talking so much. I just need to get this out. Um, <laughs> Eddie says, you know, you, you, you saw, you, you saw me, you saved more than my life. You saved my fucking soul, you know, <laughs> like Eddie, uh, probably for, for as much as Eddie is probably going to die here, you know, in this, in this weird place, he probably had less time on the other side without Roland's involvement. I, I wouldn't begrudge you reading this entire passage if you had it in the notes, because, uh, Eddie tells like, you know, Eddie, Eddie is asking about this dark tower and he says, you know, else who had a tower? Like my brother had a tower. Yep. He had a white tower <laughs> and he asked me to climb it with him. And I did because he's my brother. Like, and that, you know, that's what, that's what Roland saved him from. And I, I, <laughs> I like that, that duality there. I like that imagery. And then, um, I, I love it. I absolutely love it when, uh, both Eddie and Roland drift into kind of a romantic language. Mm -hmm. Um, when Eddie starts saying stuff like, you know, you, you saved my soul. And then he starts saying, you know, what are you going to do about her? Like, you know, I'm, I'm here with you, but like, you're not going to let her die. Like, I, I love her, man. Like, you're not going to treat her that way. And that kind of that stuff is a very powerful to me, especially yeah. as a kid, because I and I've mentioned on the show before, like I was really looking up to Eddie Dean. This is an ex heroin <laughs> addict weirdo. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen <laughs> King. You probably didn't affect me negatively or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, looking up to that guy and, and like having that, that kind of passion for the, the woman that he's chosen to love and, you know, that kind of passion for what he's going to do and realize like I'm here and I'm going to just fully commit to this is, is extremely powerful. Yeah. I love Roland's next line here about, um, and you have it in the notes. We all die in time. It's not just the world that moves on, but we will be magnificent. Like when, when Roland <laughs> yeah, starts like getting a little poetic, Oh my God. Like it, yeah. it reminds me of, um, Sean, I know this is one of your favorite things in Dark Souls 3, not to, you know, <laughs> check a box somewhere, but um, <laughs> the I know you'll remember it, the, the guy with the uh, Colossus line. Um, yep. I can't remember the dude's name. Oh, uh, 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 but that, uh, it, yeah, Corland. Um, what's his name sure. for Corland? Yeah. Oh, Doesn't my really God. Matter. Lulith of Corland, yeah. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. 
um, I don't remember the exact words, but it reminds me a lot of of yeah. that line of just like we will uh, be magnificent. Yeah, I, I may be small, but you know, uh, I will link the fire and I will die as a colossus. Yeah, something like that's that. what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I love this line too. But we will be magnificent. Yeah, just it gives you like the the goosebumps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. So with with the quest accepted, here's the final the the, the final passage here, and I'll just say this. The sun stained the east a dusky rose, uh, and at last Roland, no longer the last gunslinger but one of the last three, slept and dreamed his angry dreams, uh, sorry, through which there ran that one soothing blue thread. There I will sing their names. Again, talking about singing the names of the fallen, the fallen that his new katet, this new new three, um, has replaced. Everybody who he has, he has lost, everybody has forsaken, everybody has sacrificed on the way to the tower. He, you know, even in this, you know, kind of moment, this moment of beginning is still dreaming of that end and at least telling himself in his dreaming mind that that is what he is doing this for is to justify this by screaming their names at the center of the cosmos. Man. Can we just start talking about the wastelands now? Can we just get right into it? <laughs> a lot of deer get killed. I'm a lot ready. of gunslinger burritos. <laughs> well, I, I like the uh, I like the sort of I, I don't know if I'm misreading a bit, but I like the dark. The, there's like the hint of darkness there, where it's where you know you want to like. So he's singing their names, and I kind of get the impression he's even like he's even in his mind just imagining that he's singing. You know, not just like. Cuthbert and Alain and stuff, but he's also thinking of singing like Susanna and Eddie's names. Like he's yeah. fully prepared. And just, just the fact that earlier in this chapter, they do bring about how like, you know, how there's been those in his content who've died and some by like his own hand. Mm-hmm. It just, it gives that little bit of extra darkness that I just love that between the gunslinger and this book and, you know, continuing through <laughs> the series, it's just that fact that, you know, there's always just that thing where he's, he's so ready to sacrifice them. And, it just like he all like King likes to just tack that on at the end of things where <laughs> it's like this joyous, like we'll sacrifice ourselves for each other. And then Roland sort of whispers, I'll probably sacrifice you guys. So. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all in this together until I'm going to let you die. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, the only thing he's certain of is that he will stand at that door. Exactly. Yeah. So any final thoughts? I know we did a couple of them um, at the end of the action there. Um, I feel like I've said everything I need to say. Um, I'm curious to, to to know if there's anything that is left unsaid. Jeremy, on your side? I want to bring uh, one quick thing up. Uh, there was a question in the Slack a while back about where the name Susanna Dean came from. And uh, we kind of gloss over it, but they, they do oh, specifically yeah. mention that like Susanna was her middle name. Yes. So it wasn't it wasn't just that somebody picked her like she didn't just pick a name out of random. She's not like, you know rainbow dean or anything like that like <laughs> that was her middle name so it was kind of a conglomeration of, of yeah. what dead is the name and odetta's name so it doesn't it's just not just pulled out of a hat anywhere yeah they yeah. and it's it's said out loud so um it was odetta um odetta susanna holmes taking her father's name mm-hmm. detta susanna walker her mother's name and okay. when you overlap those, only the middle name is the commonality. That is what they will take because she is a, she is this um, kind of addition of both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or this uh, superimposition of both of them. Yeah. Um, Sean, how about you? 
Um, I think I think I, I got I have one one small thing. I don't even think there's really an answer here, but I was curious like the uh the chapter named Roland Takes His Medicine. <laughs> I looked I looked up the phrase take your medicine and I guess it means to uh to to like willingly accept punishment. And yeah. I can't I can't figure out what that has to do with what happens because he's not really being punished. I don't know. It's a it's a small thing. It's I, I just <laughs> I was wondering if King was just being cutesy, making a little reference, but I, I couldn't quite figure out what he was getting at with that chapter name. Uh, it felt a little cutesy to me. That's... Yeah, just yeah, yeah, it just bugged me because I was it like, felt, well, it felt like a play yeah. on words since he's literally like taking the medicine, like he's like you know he's <laughs> stealing. Not, he's not stealing it because he pays for it with the sixty five hundred dollars Rolex. <laughs> right. um, yeah. That those that those three people are going to split amongst themselves somehow because yeah, yeah, that totally happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, yeah. they're. I, I think he's. I think it was just a play on words. Yeah, because yeah, he's definitely the one dishing out the punishment. He's not. A... <laughs> so, yeah, but but yeah, and in general, it's just you know when just because uh, we're at the end here with I couldn't have imagined at the end of the Gunslinger this being the sort of crazy like sort of like action packed journey you know through the world that it ended up being, and I just I just love how much fun this whole adventure through the drawing of the three was. And uh, with, with absolutely no spoilers, it's crazy how much you, there's no way to anticipate what's about to happen in the wastelands because it just, (laughs) it just keeps dropping through these levels of like ridiculousness and like, you know, challenging your expectations. So, yeah, there, there's a level of pervasive lightness in the drawing of the three that you don't see on the whole. In any, yeah. in, in any given book from this point on, not to say that they are slogs or death marches or anything, um, but like this is definitely like at points, this is a farcical caper, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely like a heist movie, and um, <laughs> Logan kind of hit upon some heist movie stuff with his Ocean's Eleven plan to yeah. get some bullets. So I, I'm into it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. Um, so that is the drawing of the three. Uh, programming note: next episode, we're going to be talking about the book Rose Matter, which has a tenuous Dark Tower connection. But uh, something great about this project is that we can explore those connections and look at more Stephen King work. Um, and the nice thing is Rose Matter came out a little bit before or not a little bit before around the time that uh, the Wastelands came out, just like um, uh, the Eyes of the Dragon came out around the time this one did. So um, go check that out. It's available in ebook. Uh, I think that there's an audiobook version available, although I've had trouble uh, locating it. Um, and then after that, we will begin uh, the Wastelands in earnest. Um, Jeremy, where can people find you? Uh, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter at jg greer um i do several podcasts we've talked about dark souls a lot tonight so if you guys are interested in dark souls you can go uh, to don't give up skeleton.com where i do interviews with people about the video game dark souls and how it changed our lives both cole and sean has been on the on the on episodes by themselves so we uh we yeah. go look for their names in the list and <laughs> hear them talk all about their experience with dark souls yeah it's a it, it is a great idea for a podcast and i i really enjoy seeing the people that you're able to get and also the, the the surprises, like, you know, people who I wasn't aware of, but uh, have stories, have good stories nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. You'd be surprised how often uh, you and Gary get brought up, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like the, a majority of the stories I hear of, like, when I ask people, like, how did you get into the Dark Souls community? They say, well, we went to iTunes and typed in Dark Souls and Bonfireside <laughs> Chat came up. And I was like, okay, cool. That is the, that, <laughs> That's a good that way is... to get to the community. <laughs> Man. So there are a lot of people who owe their livelihoods to search algorithms. That is the like the most common story that I hear. 
There's <laughs> people finding us through that. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, Guilty. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, where can people find you? Uh, following Jeremy's theme, I, I uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Lore Hunter, and I talk a lot about Dark Souls, but I uh, do some general, you know, video game stuff, and uh, I have a few uh, related things on YouTube and blogs, and you can find that all on my Twitter. So at the Lore Hunter, yeah. And you can find me at Cole Ross K O L E R O S S because my name is spelled weird. Um, and we have more shows over at duckfeed.tv. Um, thank you so much to both of you, uh, for being on the show. It has been a a lot of fun talking about this very fun section of the book, uh, to the listeners. Uh, if you want to tell your friends, get them hyped up for the wastelands series, let them know that this is a good time to, to, uh, to, 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 to start going through and, uh, getting caught up. Uh, we really appreciate that. Also, uh, lots of nice iTunes reviews have been coming through, which uh, big thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, it's very much appreciated. All of that has been great. I love doing this show. I love talking with you all. And we will be back real soon. And until then, long days and pleasant nights. Pleasant nights.